I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone. And welcome to another free agency episode of Wake Up With The Warriors. We are now... About 48 hours into free agency, a little over 48 hours, and honestly, most of most of the dominoes have fallen. Everything kind of moved quickly this year, in large part because Kevin Durant decided to come to his decision and announce it uh, as soon as free agency began. That certainly allowed everything else to kind of take place, so we had an episode of this on Monday, recapping the first day of action, recapping Kevin Durant, of course, signing with the Brooklyn Nets, teaming up with Kyrie Irving, and the Warriors working a sign-and-trade to bring back D'Angelo Russell in the process. Uh, so now, just wanted to go over some of the rest of the moves that uh, trickled in through Monday and here today on Tuesday, recording this on Tuesday night. I feel the need to point that out just um, because these things move so quickly that that um, the relevance doesn't always last a super long time. So I am recording this at halftime of the Warriors' second summer league game against the Los Angeles Lakers. Jacob Evans, I have been impressed with so far, but we'll get to summer league stuff later. I just wanted to put that in there so everyone kind of knows uh, the timing of this podcast should some more news come out about the Warriors or other teams later tonight or Wednesday or sometime before you end up listening to this. Uh, So the biggest post-Durant news for the Warriors is that they did re-sign Kavon Looney. Looney was obviously a huge priority for the team going into the offseason, someone that Steve Kerr called a foundational piece during the playoffs. He had a, a strong season and a tremendous playoff run. He proved to be the Warriors' best center this year. He was better than Damian Jones, better than Andrew Bogut, better than DeMarcus Cousins. Other than Draymond Green playing small ball, he was simply the Warriors' best center. And he is still developing. I think we forget this because he's already been on the team for four years, made four deep runs to the NBA Finals, but uh, Looney only recently turned 23 years old. So still young, still developing. I know the Warriors have talked a lot about him incorporating a three-pointer at some point in his his career, and I think we're going to see that in this coming year. Um, I've spent a lot of time when I cover Warriors games in person watching Looney's warm-ups because I'm, I'm very intrigued by him. And he shoots a lot of threes in his pregame warm-ups and a lot of long twos, and he has a pretty high success rate. That obviously doesn't mean much. We're all very familiar with the Carmelo Anthony empty gym videos that 
somehow go viral on Twitter despite not meaning anything. Any NBA player can make a lot of shots when no one is guarding them. Uh, but his form looks good. It looks smooth. It looks replicable. Um, I'm kind of getting on a tangent here because I like talking about shooting, but the point being, um, Kevon Looney is a huge piece of this team. There was never any doubt that the Warriors wanted to do everything they could to retain him. So vital, not just for his ability to play good basketball, for, for lack of a more eloquent description, but because of how switchable he is defensively, he was an integral part of the Warriors beating the Houston Rockets both this year in the Western Conference semifinals and a year ago in the Western Conference finals because of his ability to switch on to perimeter players like James Harden, like Chris Paul, like Eric Gordon, and make life hard for them. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but uh, James Harden did not score the ball efficiently when guarded by Kevon Looney. And when you, as a center, can hold one of the best offensive perimeter players in league history to subpar nights, that brings an immense level of value to your team, especially when the playoffs roll around. So the point that we're trying to get here is that when the Warriors swung that sign and trade for D'Angelo Russell, a near-max contract, four years, $117 million, it enacted the hard cap for them, meaning that unlike last year, or unlike if Kevin Durant had re-signed, the Warriors couldn't just spend whatever they wanted on the players who they had bird rights to and deal with the extreme luxury tax ramifications but still have it be legal. Instead, the Warriors are hard-capped. They have a specific number that they cannot go a penny over. It's not allowed. It's not taxed like it was last year when they didn't have a hard cap. It's just something they cannot do. And they did not have much room to go before hitting that hard cap after they made that move for Russell. And so many people assumed after that trade that they would not be able to re-sign Kevon Looney or any of their free agents. But that proved to not be the case. They they made it work. It's a three-year, $15 million deal for Looney, which on the one hand, it's not surprising because teams still don't pay for some of the things that matter. Uh, Looney only averaged around six points and five rebounds a game last year. That obviously doesn't tell the story of, of the value that he brings to the Warriors franchise. But it's still an important thing for general managers of other teams and chairmen of other teams. They have a hard time selling switchable defense, solid screens, and high IQ basketball to to their fan base. And, and so it never seemed like he was going to get a ton of money. But still, three years, $15 million, $5 million a year, roughly. It, I say roughly not because I'm an idiot mathematically. I, I do realize that 15 divided by 3 is not roughly 5, but exactly 5. But because um, they're... It escalates a little bit each year, so it's not exactly $5 million each year, even though that is what it averages out to be. Anyway, that $5 million a year is still just a hilariously low number when you compare it to other centers around the league 
and what they got. Dwayne Dedman, three years, $40 million. Brooke Lopez, four years, $52 million. Robin Lopez, two years, $9.8 million. Essentially the same yearly salary. Frank Kaminsky got the same salary as Looney. One year, $5 million from the Suns. Ennis Cantor got the same. Two years, $10 million from the Celtics. Uh, Looney is just a much, much, much better player than any of those players. With the with the exception of Brooke Lopez, who obviously is a, is a very good player. Um, but Looney's value, you know, especially if you look at the advanced metrics, which can be a little bit hit and miss, but uh, his value is up there more with a Brooke Lopez than with a Robin Lopez. With all due respect to Robin Lopez, who is one of my favorite players. He's just he's just more than a five million a year guy, and that's what the Warriors got him for. So uh, kind of a bummer for Kavon, but a huge win for the Warriors. Now the silver lining for Looney is that the third year of this deal is a player option. So he'll get two more years to presumably have a bigger role now that Kevin Durant is gone, Clay Thompson is injured for this year. There's no Demarcus Cousins this year. And Looney will presumably have a big role and keep impressing and when he's 25 he can opt out of that final year of the contract enter free agency and look for a bigger deal but in the meantime warriors are keeping Kevon Looney and it's a huge 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 move for them to be able to retain their best center and also just another center because otherwise Damian Jones was the only center under contract when when the offseason began speaking of underpaid centers the Warriors started to fill in the pieces here with the very, very, very limited funds that they have, and they have signed Willie Cauley-Stein, uh, who was the starting center for the Sacramento Kings this year. St- Cauley-Stein was the sixth overall pick four years ago, and in his four-year career, he has not been great, but certainly been been good Uh, this last year he averaged around 12 points and 8 rebounds a game admittedly not the greatest defense but some strong rim protection Uh, not the most efficient offense but a serious threat finishing on lobs and on the offensive glass simply put a guy who you know when we're talking about players like Ennis Cantor making 5 million a year and Dwayne Dedman making you know thirteen million a year and Frank Kaminsky making five million a year. Collie Stein should have been up there with with those players, and the Warriors got him for. It's being reported that it's by Zach Lowe of ESPN that it's just over the minimum, um, which means we're looking at something around the two million dollar mark likely for a guy who might be the Warriors' starting center. Uh, will certainly get a lot of minutes, likely be their leading scorer as far as centers go, and has the potential to form a very interesting second unit um, because his greatest offensive skill set is the ability to roll. He is large, 7 feet, 240 pounds, sets big screens, but he's lengthy and extremely athletic, so he explodes back to the rim, is able to set a screen out at the three-point line and get back to the rim very quickly. And then you pair that with D'Angelo Russell, who 
arguably his greatest offensive skill set is being the ball handler on the pick and roll. So we'll see whether Collie Stein starts or not, and Russell certainly, you would assume, is going to start. Uh, but I'm sure that we're going to see those two head the units when Steph Curry is on the bench this year. That 16 or so minutes that need to be filled, I'm guessing Curry and Russell are staggered, and we see a unit with D'Angelo Russell and Willie Cauley-Stein running pick and rolls over and over. And honestly, we all watched how much the bench struggled this year. For the Warriors, you could do a lot worse uh, than... D'Angelo Russell and Willie Cauley-Stein running pick and rolls. So that's kind of an exciting pickup. The other pickup for the Warriors, uh, small forward Glenn Robinson III, um, presumably for the veterans minimum. It's a two-year deal with a player option for the second year. Player option makes it kind of interesting because that actually adds to the total tax hit, which pushes the Warriors that much closer to that hard cap that they are um, rubbing up against at the moment. But it gives the Warriors another, you know, pseudo-veteran. Uh, Robinson the third, obviously the son of, of NBA All-Star Glenn Robinson. He's 25 but has five years already in the league. Never has been a particularly good player, if we're being honest. Has had some defensive struggles. Has never shot the ball quite as well as you would want from the position. Uh, not a very good playmaker. Um, but a player who can come in and give you solid minutes. Uh, can do a little bit of everything, isn't going to to lose the games for you. And and given the lack of depth that this team had, uh, getting someone like that, especially at a young age where potentially they can be developed into a better player, uh, is a huge thing. So, Or I shouldn't say a huge thing, but it's not a bad thing. Uh, So one other um, contract note for the Warriors, it was announced that Clay Thompson received a 15% trade kicker in his contract. Um, as was reported, he does not have a player option, does not have a no-trade clause, so certainly um, a team-friendly contract in terms of of those options and whatnot, even though it's obviously a player-friendly contract in terms of overall money, with Thompson getting the maximum allowed, $190 million over those five years. Uh, but the trade kicker is, is really nice for him. Basically how a trade kicker works is if a player is traded... He is then paid 15% of the remaining money on his contract. So, for instance, if the Warriors traded Clay in January when he's still owed, you know, whatever it is, $175 million, um, then he would be paid another $25 million or whatever 15% of that is. If he's traded, you know, in the final year of his contract when he's down to only $20 million left remaining, then that trade kicker would be uh, for $3 million. So it gives him a little extra money if he is traded, and more importantly for him is it decreases the chances of him being traded. It's not a no-trade clause, but it does make it much harder for him to be traded, especially at that 15%, which is the maximum allowed by the collective bargaining agreement. Um, it makes it harder because, first off, that money that he is owed comes from the Warriors, not from the team that is that is taking on his contract. So the Warriors have to be willing, in addition to trading him, they have to be willing to eat that 15% of his remaining salary in a straight-up um, payout. And then the other team, 
while not having to pay that 15%, they have to take on that 15% as part of their salary for that year. So you add that 15% to what is already a maximum contract, and Clay is going to be taking up a lot of salary if he's traded, which thus makes it a bit less likely that he will be traded. Uh, so that is the Clay Thompson situation. Uh, we will be right back after this with the rest of the free agency moves. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So one other quick note on the Clay Thompson front. Not a contract note, but it was announced today by Thompson's agent uh, that he underwent surgery for the ACL that he tore in Game 6 of the NBA Finals. The surgery was labeled a success. The agent listed the time frame as being the standard rehab time for an ACL, which was the number that ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski was floating around was five to seven months, which certainly seemed on the optimistic side. And that would be in the December to February range. Um, further clarification came in that the team and the doctors are obviously going to be very careful with Clay and that they are all assuming that he will be returning on the conservative end of that estimate. So as was kind of always the case, it seems most likely that we are going to see Clay sometime around the All-Star break, late February, maybe maybe into March. And kind of on that note, so much discussion has been made about D'Angelo Russell, how he fits in there as a combo guard next to Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. And then, of course, there was the report from Mark Stein of the New York Times that the Warriors plan to trade Russell at some point. Um, those reports have kind of been followed up on a little bit by ESPN Zach Lowe and Marcus Thompson II of The Athletic. Both of them have been talking about not necessarily that the Warriors plan to trade Russell, but that they weren't acquiring him because they were enamored with him. This wasn't a situation where they thought, hey, we need to go get D'Angelo Russell, let's make it happen. This was a situation where they saw Kevin Durant leaving, didn't want to get nothing in exchange for one of the best players in the world, and said, hey, let's take on this asset. He's a good young player, maybe he develops into a great player, maybe he's a great trade chip. Uh, one of the interesting notes from Marcus Thompson was that the Warriors really wanted it to be a max contract or, or close to it, which it ultimately was. Part of the reason why Russell agreed to the sign-and-trade was because the Warriors were offering him more money than the Minnesota Timberwolves were. And the Warriors wanted that so that it matches up with another maximum contract should they do a all-star for all-star swap somewhere down the line. Uh, Thompson noted Joel Embiid 
as a potential player. Not, not, I don't want anyone to get mad at me for misaggregating here. Not as something, someone who is available, but as we've seen with Anthony Davis, with Kawhi Leonard, with Kyrie Irving, stars do get disgruntled over time, situations arise, and sometimes players end up wanting out. And Joel Embiid is on virtually the exact same contract as D'Angelo Russell. So now if you get to a situation where Embiid, whether he's upset with Philly for not winning or doesn't like Brett Brown or, or the reported lack of chemistry with Ben Simmons comes to fruition and he goes to the team and, and wants to be traded, well, now the Warriors have an enticing player on a matching salary, and they can swap. Obviously, that specific permutation of Russell's future with the Warriors is not particularly likely, but it is certainly something that is in the back of the Warriors' heads that they now have a 23-year-old All-Star making the kind of money that, when traded, brings back another very, very good player most of the time, or at the very worst, a $30 million trade exception, which is not a bad thing to have. So, back to the roster moves. Uh, Jordan Bell has signed with the Minnesota Timberwolves. He is the first kind of casualty, as we were going to see, these players who were on the Warriors last year leave, some because the Warriors don't want them, but kind of all because the Warriors can't afford them now. Um, no news yet on Quinn Cook, but he is almost surely gone. Uh, no news on Damian Lee, but I would assume that if the Warriors are looking to add one more player, if they are able to find a way to afford one more player other than an undrafted rookie, uh, that Lee would be at the top of their list, both for his spacing and his chemistry, of course, being Steph Curry's brother-in-law, and just getting along well with the team and and having some familiarity there as well after being on a two-way last year. Uh, So here's how the Warriors roster currently shapes out. This is assuming, of course, that they cut Sean Livingston before his contract guarantee date, which has been moved to July 10th. So they currently have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, D'Angelo Russell, Draymond Green, Damian Jones, Kavon Looney, Willie Cauley-Stein, Alfonso McKinney, Glenn Robinson III, Jordan Poole, Jacob Evans III, Eric Pascal, and Alan... S- I'm going to mess up his name because the broadcasters in these summer league games keep changing it. But Alan Smalajic. So that's where they stand. That is 13 players currently on the roster. Uh, Kai Bowman is also there as a two-way contract. Uh, It's worth noting that Alfonso McKinney is a non-guaranteed contract. They can cut him at any time. Um, And both Smalajic and Pascal could potentially become two-way players. More likely for the former than for the latter. But 13 players is the minimum, so that you have to carry on a roster, not counting the two-way players. So right now, those are the 13. We'll see if they can move things around financially to maybe find 
a way to change those 13, but for now, that's, that's where we stand. So that's kind of all the news that's fit to print at the moment with the Warriors. As for the rest of the league, things have, have slowed down, slowed down, excuse me, after that hectic first night. Um, still waiting for Kawhi Leonard, still choosing between the Toronto Raptors, the Los Angeles Clippers, and the Los Angeles Lakers. Nothing much has been reported there other than that he is looking for silence from the teams he's meeting with, so there really hasn't been any information coming out, and it's unclear when he will make his decision. Uh, No other big moves, really. Uh, Wilson Chandler signed a one-year deal to play alongside Durant with the Brooklyn Nets, although if it's a one-year deal, he's probably not going to play alongside Durant unless he re-ups. Jared Dudley signed a one-year deal with the Los Angeles Lakers, really the first move that they have made. Well, they also signed Troy Daniels, so uh, currently they have not much still. Still waiting for for the Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes to end before they go out and sign players, but the market has, has dried up a little bit. Uh, so they're not in an ideal position, of course. If they sign Kawhi Leonard, they won't really care about the lack of free agents left on the market because they will have Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis, and that is a ridiculously good triumvirate. So I believe that is all the free agency news at the moment. Again, my apologies if any news breaks between the time that I record this and the time that you listen to it. If it does, I will make another podcast. Uh, otherwise, once again, keep keep your ears on our podcast network and your eyes on our website because Summer League is shifting to Las Vegas on Friday and we will have a three-person contingency there. Myself, Daniel Hardy, and Thomas Bavilacqua, better known, of course, as Dr. Tom and the Gold-Blooded King. So the three of us will be there. We'll record some podcasts live there from Las Vegas, from Summer League, and we'll have a lot of articles as well. So... Here we go again, folks. The wounds of the NBA Finals and the injuries and losing Kevin Durant may be fresh, but basketball never sleeps. There is already basketball being played again. There are exciting moves being made. And here we go. Another season. Thanks for listening, everyone.